Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Well, if you would, um, would you please turn in your, your, your Bible, if you brought your Bible, or you can open your phone uh, to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. That's where we're going to uh, begin this morning. Excuse me, Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. And the scripture will be up on the screen for you as well. Hey, we've we've taken a step forward. Yay! (laughs) It's taken a while to figure this stuff out. But thank you for your patience. Really appreciate that. But Luke chapter 1, verse 26 through 38. And if you wouldn't mind, please follow along with me. I'd really appreciate that. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. Just want to pause there just briefly. If you look back in the previous story where an angel of the Lord went to Zechariah, and made an announcement to Zechariah that he and his wife Elizabeth, Elizabeth, in their old age, there's only a few of you that'll get that reference, um, but uh, that Zechariah and Elizabeth in their old age will have a child. They will name him John the Baptist. That particular angel is Gabriel. And uh, Gabriel's name means mighty man of God or, or hero of God. And there's something very interesting in that story that is very important for us with Mary. Is that Gabriel said to Zechariah that he stands in the presence of God. And so Gabriel left the presence of God, the throne room of God and made his earthly dissension right before Mary. I think that's something important for us to note, that Gabriel went from God's presence to Galilee, to a very specific place of geography, to a very specific person. Keep that in mind as we go forward this morning. So let's reread that one more time. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. That would be King David of the Old Testament. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered, What kind of greeting this might be? But the angel, Gabriel, said to her, Do not be afraid. 
Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Now, the scripture up here says, for no word from God will ever fail. But if you pull back the curtain and you look in the Greek, the 1984 NIV is actually closest, where it says, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. Do you mind just bowing your heads just for a moment again? Heavenly Father, may your words speak a lot clearly, more clearly than I speak. May the living word go deep into our DNA, into our soul, to every cell that is in our body that makes up our being. Lord, I ask that we tune our ears into you and to you alone. To hear the truth so that the truth may free us and form us. I trust that you will make up the gap from what I say and what I don't say. It is in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. <clears throat> the greatest impossible place that you will ever face is the space within you. Your soul. And your soul is dying, is begging for you to pay attention. Let me repeat that. The greatest impossible place that you will ever face in your entire life is the space within you. And that's your soul. Your soul is begging for you to pay attention. See, life, life is full of impossible places. I look at the faces in the room and I am very certain, even how young they may be, or how seasoned they may be. I'm trying to tread lightly here, okay? That you have probably faced some impossible places in your life. I can list them. You go unrecognized, unappreciated, undervalued. Or you might be 
unrecognized for your skill and your talent and your ability. You might have received pink slips. In fact, you might have received layoffs. Or you yourself might be going through shift changes constantly at your job. There are teenagers ghosting their parents. But there's also parents ghosting their kids. There's the fiancé, that future spouse, that breaks it off. There's the marriage that teeters on the brink of destruction. Life is full of impossible places, isn't it? There's the paralyzing anxiety that we face even before we get up out of bed. There's the gripping depression that has this unrelenting and overwhelming sense for us that we just can't push through. Life is full of impossible places. There's choosing the, the hard right over the easy wrong, yet you find yourself facing even worse off circumstances should you have chosen the easy wrong. You have impossible places that you might be living in today. Could be the wounds that have been at the hands of another. It could be the consequences from the choices that you've chosen that you just can't seem to outrun, even though you're trying to choose the right thing, the godly thing, the holy thing. But the consequences just continue to catch up to you. It could be those impossible places that God is actually allowing in your life. I'd like for you, for a moment, if you have your phone or if you have a piece of paper at your disposal and a writing utensil, pull either one of them out. And I'd like for you to go either in your notes section or your text section of your phone and I would like for you to type this in or write this on your piece of paper my impossible place is go ahead this is this is this is participation time I always hated that with professors I don't want to participate I just want to listen I'd like for you to participate for a moment Type in or write down, my impossible place is. And then I'd like for you to name it. What is your impossible place today? You already know it. I just want you to become aware of it. I want you to see it. My impossible place is. Fill in that blank. You're going to come back to that in a little bit. <clears throat> I'll give you another few seconds to do so. My impossible place is.
Has it ever occurred to us? Maybe it has for you. Maybe it's just a light bulb for me. That our impossible places in life actually remind us, they're there to remind us of that impossible place called your soul. They're to remind us of the condition of our heart and where we are in proximity and alignment to God himself. I think there's something to that. That the impossible places in which we face in our world, they remind us that we have a soul that needs tending to. That sometimes is in its own impossible place. See, when Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, actually came through the birth canal, with pains and screams, with blood and afterbirth. That is the moment that the very last words of Gabriel, for nothing is impossible with God, materialized, became reality. For nothing is impossible with God. In that moment, that all became reality. It was in the flesh with an umbilical cord. Crying with a mother and a father holding their newborn. For nothing is impossible with God. In other words, with God, anything that is humanly impossible becomes possible. Whatever you are believing to be impossible and incapable where you are powerless to shift and change in your life actually can become possible with God. See, God understands and knows the myriad of possibilities in your impossible place. Does he not? See, when Jesus, when God became flesh and walked among us, which is, honestly, that's my favorite Christmas story. The word became flesh and made his, made his dwelling among us. It was succinct, it was short, it was sweet, but it was so profound all at the same time. When God put flesh on, when, when God put muscle on, Skin on, blood, brains, heart, kidneys. When he put all that on himself, it not only shows us the Father, it shows us God. Jesus shows us God. But I think it goes much deeper than that. It, it really goes to the human heart, right? See, God is the designer of the human heart. No cardiologist has the insight, the depth of insight and the intimacy of the human heart better than God. And 
God figured out the best way to understand the human heart is not only to design it, but to wear it. To let it beat in his own chest. And so, Jesus Christ coming helps us understand that God understands us. But I, I, I think it goes much deeper than just we can see the Father in Jesus and that God understands us. In fact, God actually stepped into the human dilemma. Now think of all the dilemmas that you have in your life. He stepped into the human dilemma in our reality. The human dilemma became a reality for him. That he wasn't far off. But he was really close to it. He could touch it. and He could feel it. He can understand it. God connected himself to you. God connected himself to me. This, above anything else, separates Jesus from all other religions. Because in fact, Jesus is opposite of religion. There's a modern understanding, particularly in America, that all religions lead to the same place. If you said that to a Muslim, that Islam leads us to the same place as Buddhism, that Muslim would be very, very offended at you. And if a Buddhist, you had this conversation with a Buddhist, and you said, Buddhism leads us to the same place as Islam, that Buddhist would look at you and wonder, who are you? You don't understand anything. Religion has always been about man trying to get to God. Doing all of the things that you're supposed to do. The do's and the don'ts. What I should do and what I shouldn't do. I mean, even in the Church of the Nazarene back in the day, if somebody came to Jesus Christ, that they would first tell you, hey, don't do this, and don't do that, and don't do that. You got to throw that away. You can't watch that. Don't listen to that. Can't go with girls who smoke and chew. If you smoke and chew, I love you. 
<laughs> no offense needed. But what happens in this birth story? The origin story of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is something entirely different. It's not man getting to God. It's God coming to man. It's God coming to us. When Jesus said, no one can come to the Father except through the Son. When he said, I am the way and the truth and the life, he really declared something profound for all of humanity. No one else is coming. There's no one coming for you. Except me. I have come for you. All because God himself in his nature, in his character, is love. He's also holy. We can't dismiss that. He's fully loving and fully holy at the same time. But he was motivated out of his love for you and humanity, for us in our mess. And he understood that we would try to get to him in whatever way we could or whatever way we could think of, whatever way we can construct. But in Jesus, God came to man. And he met you and me in our impossible places. Because humanity at the time, and I will say, you can argue is still there, humanity was in the impossible place. Separated. Separated from their creator, their designer, their first love. Your first love. And Jesus bridged the gap and met us in the mess. See, Jesus is not unfamiliar with impossible places. I'd like to take you to a moment in Scripture that it's not Christmassy by any means. It's the moment where Jesus is wrestling in the garden. Not like a junior higher with junior hires or high schoolers running around. No, he's wrestling with himself. He's wrestling with what's about to happen. He's actually in his own impossible place because he knows what's about to happen. He knows that there are going to be false accusations, false witnesses. There's going to be a bogus trial. And he's going to be falsely convicted, then brutally beaten and mocked to literally inches of his life. 
He's going to carry a cross through the streets, humiliated, and then raised up, naked for all to see. And then he's going to face death. Now, that's what he understands while he's in the garden. He knows this is going to play out. He knows the wheels of a, of, of a brutal execution are going to happen, which are initiated by a betrayal. And in that moment, he prays something very important that I think we often pass over. Father, if it is possible, make, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Father, if it is possible. He's in his impossible place. And he's going, Father of possibilities, what other possibilities do you have in mind? Because if there's any other possibilities that you have in mind, make it happen. Your impossible place. My guess is in the impossible places that you have been in or that you might be in today, you have tried to think through all the potential possibilities because that's what I do. I think that's very human. What are the ways out of this? What are the ways around this? What are the ways that I can avoid this? whatever this is. But I think there's the lesson here. As Jesus prays in the garden and he wrestles, his prayer shifts and he says, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, May your will be done. Whatever impossible place that you might be facing, I want you to understand that because God became human, because God became like us, There are a myriad of possibilities in your impossible place. Because God became human. There's a myriad of possibilities in your impossible place. But as I said earlier, the greatest impossible place that you will ever face is the place within you. Your soul. That's why Jesus wrestled. That's why he struggled. Because he eventually stepped into the next impossible place where he was nailed to the cross and was dying from asphyxiation. in what seemed like the most impossible place anyone could ever be, 
the most powerless place that anyone could ever be in. He flipped the script, didn't he? He turned it on its head. But it's really convincing that impossible places convince us that, that there's, there's, there's nowhere we can go. There's nowhere forward. But see, what Jesus teaches us is that you don't get around it, you don't avoid it, you go through it. You go through your impossible place. You don't avoid it. You face it. He died. And what seemed like the greatest impossibility, there were zero, impo- there were zero possibilities at all. He's dead. He's not coming back. We see a movement of Jesus Christ begin to fall apart. People started going back home. The two to Emmaus, Luke chapter 24. We see people just giving up. We don't see Thomas, that heroic pessimist. He's not with the other disciples. And the other disciples, they're locked in a room. They're afraid that what would happen to Jesus would happen to them. Three days. And he rose from the dead. What seemed like an impossibility, God understood the possibilities within that moment. And he broke through with resurrection. See, God is still, God is still in the act of bringing the dead to life. That's his business. He makes things new, doesn't he? What's your impossible place? I'd like for you to look at that one more time. Pull out your phone or whatever you wrote down. Your impossible place. My impossible place is, and you filled in the the blank. But with God, all things are possible. Right? With God, all things are possible. Because God became human, all things are possible. What you cannot do yourself, it's possible. This morning, I don't know what your impossible place is that you're walking through, that you're living through, that has frozen you, that has kept you from moving forward. I want to tell you, that God understands the possibilities. 
and he wants to walk you through it. He wants to walk you through the healing. He wants to walk you through the mess. He wants to walk you through the debt, the broken relationships, the unwanted things in life that have happened to you. My guess is there are some of you here this morning that have been coming here because you have found your life to be an impossible place. And you're just looking. You're searching for something. Your something is Jesus in the flesh. It's God in the flesh. Do you mind bowing your heads for a moment? And before I begin to pray, I'm asking that you pray. Will you have a conversation with God himself right now? And will you Just let him know what your impossible place is. And then will you hand over that impossible place to the one that makes things possible? Literally tell him. That healing is possible in you. That freedom is possible in you. That peace is possible in you. That forgiveness is possible in you. That bitterness can be broken in you. That grace is possible in you. That friendship is possible in you. Just tell them. Go ahead, I'll wait. Lord. I know in my life I can look back and I can see and identify all the impossible places that I, my life came to where I felt that there was, no, there was no way out. And honestly, from everything that it looked like, there was, no, there was not even a way through. I remember those feelings of overwhelm, overwhelmingness, hopelessness, lost, powerless, wounded, hemorrhaging. But Lord, I stand before you today 
because of all the times you walk me through. My hope and prayer today, Lord, is that your people here on the corner of Court and Benton Street in this little church we've called Wapak Nass, that everyone in this room that are connected that are there the Egyptian army's behind him and the waters are in front of him and they have nowhere to go will you make a way will you make a way for them will you move things in their world and in their life will you orchestrate moments will you provide them friends and people will you provide them pillars that they can lean into will you provide them the scripture will you provide them the moments of peace will you provide them you your presence and will you begin to shift the way they see their impossible place Because in the impossible places, there are many possibilities. It's an opportunity for you to be glorified, to show yourself, to reveal yourself. So Lord, may your hand be on our people. Will you empower them? Will you encourage them? Will you equip them? May you saturate yourself with your presence, saturate them with your presence and who you are. Will you remind us that you understand us because you came like us? so that we can become like you. Oh, that's good, Lord. It's so good. We ask these things in the name of Jesus because we, can believe, we believe that you can do all the things that we've asked because there's nothing impossible for you. Amen. Would you please stand? Thanks for listening this morning. Thank you for being here this morning. Your presence is important. It really is. Folks, may you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Will you please love your neighbor as yourself? And lastly, if uh, you're a part, of, if you're going to be a part of Adventure U this morning, or well, now it's noon. If you're going to be a part of Adventure U today, which is a first step here, um, it's a first step that we just encourage you to to take, to where you go on an adventure, because God does call us to adventure. 
And what we want you to do and what we desire for your life is that you discover God and you discover who he's made you to be. That he may use that for his glory wherever you are. So if you'd like to step into that today, you're invited. It's this week and next week. And if you can't make these two weeks, we have another Adventure U in January, January 7th and 14th. We love you. We'll see you at the White House in just a few moments. Have a great day. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you for listening to the Wapaknaz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.